Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill, and this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 166. Welcome back, everybody. How was your week? My week was great. I got to do a show with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like two days ago. Do you remember that? Me and you? Me yes, and you and David yes. Sumner? Yes, we had a great time. It was really fun. It was super fun. I know. We did a show at, uh, if if you live in Atlanta, it's called uh, The Shops Around Lennox, and they have a new comedy series called Laughs around Lennox and um it was just like an outdoor show the three of us and um and it was a great crowd it was super intimate and fun and we got pimento cheese boards I know it was very was fancy it. like yeah. like it was definitely some <clears throat> the women who planned it were obviously they are like Pinterest queens because they, they were, were amazing. Like, they were like little throw blankets because <coughs> it was outside. So they were like little throw blankets over the chairs. There were pimento cheese boards and roasted Brussels sprouts that you could take and eat. They were like, you know, coming around pouring everybody wine while we we're on yeah. stage. It was crazy. Yeah, they know how to throw a party. I believe um, those, uh, uh, they were with the Domino Media Group. Um, great job, Domino yeah, Media. Great job, guys. Nailed it. Yeah, so they nailed it. I was it was great. I was like, this is way fancier than our usual comedy club where they're just like, ah, I don't know, here's some stale fries. I know. I'm like, yeah, or like tater tots that were fried six hours ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That you're still um, picking over because they're cold and they're there, right? But they're, yeah. Yeah, but just, they're there. But they're there. Which what by the way, I have a question do? for you, Sally Brooks. Okay. I'm this ready. is going to be boring to everybody else. Maybe not. <laughs> Do you put ketchup on your tater tots? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I, di- I don't like pour them over, but I dip them in. I feel like I'm the the only person at the laughing in the green room at the laughing skull. We always have tater tots sitting back there, and I'm the only person that ever just like gets the ketchup out and makes a little ketchup well and on the plate of tater tots. And everybody looks at me like, "Why are you ruining?" These tater tots. What are they dipping them in? The cheese sauce or something? I don't. I don't think anything. They're just eating them plain, dry, like animals. Dry, gross. Dry tots. I know. It's disgusting. Oh, uh, listen. We're gonna put a poll up because I gotta know. <laughs> I don't know if this is everywhere, but I I remember people in Chicago were like, "You do not put ketchup on a hot dog. That is crazy." You certainly you put, do. I know. You put tomatoes a on a debate. hot dog. You put whatever else on a hot dog, but you don't put ketchup. Ketchup is for animals, <laughs> and I cannot disagree with that more. I, it's like I, ketchup is made for hot dogs. Ketchup is made for pretty much everything. I'm going to be honest. Agree. <laughs> I will put ketchup on some weird shit. I'll put it on macaroni and cheese. I mean, because why not? It makes it's sense. It's really good. I'll put. I used to put it in mashed potatoes when I was a kid, and it disgusted my family. But it <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean I'm what's have- the difference? My argument was: you put ketchup on French fries, which are potatoes. It's true. These are just mashed potatoes. So why would ketchup not go on the mashed potatoes? I mean, you're not wrong. I, I'm not <laughs> mad at you. I just have never tried that. 
particular delicacy myself. I'm just going to say that it looks disgusting. It looks disgusting because I'm imagining it's like a pink tinted mush. It, it is. Yes. It very much is. I stopped doing it because yeah. I, you know, I did it when I was a kid and it revolted everyone. But when I first, be honest, if I have yeah. ketchup on my plate and there's a scoop of mashed potatoes, right, it might accidentally hit the ketchup on the fork. Like I've had some mouth. like like a meat like a meatloaf <laughs> with like a kind of ketchupy barbecuey sauce on. Yeah. And mashed potatoes and that all mixed together is delicious. So why would it not be I you know what? Like I'm expand in. your minds, people. Okay. Well, let's let's say this. Okay. I'm on board with you with the ketchup and the mashed potatoes. And so I would like to say that maybe you could also extend me no. that grace with no. the <laughs> cheddar, cheddar on spaghetti. the spaghetti. Oh, God. <laughs> See? Come on. I will try. I will. I will extend yeah. you the – live your life, Sally. If that makes you, you happy, then I go forth and put cheddar on your spaghetti <laughs> and ruin it, but – Go for it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. When I first met Ben, he would make plain rice and then put ketchup on it. That That's was like disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he'd sprinkle like those um like like Chinese like the noodles, the crispy noodles you get from a Chinese place. He would sprinkle what? them on top. Okay, this is too much. Okay, so white rice with ketchup and crispy like lo mein noodles, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, well, you know, like we get in like for soups. Yeah. Those lo mein noodles that are like or fried. Those, yeah. What are those called? I don't know. I just saw, I saw they were like noodles? crispy noodles. I'm Googling it. Those are called, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. They're called crispy Chinese noodles. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> yes. Oh, I feel so good. Oh, man. I feel like I won Jeopardy. You did. Well, I'm glad you took to the Googles. Bottom line is that on rice with ketchup. Ketchup sounds pretty disgusting, I'm going to be honest. Wow. Wow, you really took a turn. (laughs) You were just talking about ketchup in your mashed potatoes, and you can't even make the leap. I mean, I agree. No, thank you. Well, you know what? We all have to dry line with our ketchup eating somewhere. Yeah. And And this is where where I'm drawing the line. We found our line. Uh, um, sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. You're you're certifiably disgusting. Real quick before we get into oh, the cookies, I just wanted to address one thing from last week's episode that I wanted to clear up. Um, when I listened to it back, um, it sounded like I was saying we were talking about the guy with the jug of water who on the bad date that was chugging the water and said that he, he thought that um, tap water made people gay. Yeah. And like, and then I later said um, with the water thing, I'd be like, yeah, all right. But I didn't mean the tap water making people gay. I would let that slide. I meant like a guy that carried his own jug of water around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to make it clear that like, no, I, like I would have been out of there immediately if a right. guy said that he thought that drinking tap water made someone gay. Yeah, so I was the one who said when someone – if someone walked in with a jug of water, said nothing, I'd be like, sorry, I'm out of here. Oh, okay, yeah. And so the, you like the, were – yeah, you were the, like, I would give him – I would wait until he said the tap water made you gay. Right. And you would say, okay, see ya. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that up 
just in case people were like, you would be cool with that, I wouldn't be cool with that. Yeah, in case people were like, oh my God, Jen is a horrible bigot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. When did she become such a homophobe? The second she stopped putting ketchup on rice. That's, that's, that's when it happened. That's when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our quickies. All right. Okay, um, so I will go first. And mine is an article from BuzzFeed by Jen Adams. And this uh, comes from the subreddit, Am I the Asshole? Okay. Okay, so this is one where a guy posted, and he was wondering if he was an asshole for lying to his mother about his wedding time. So I want to know what you think of this. Um, so here's what he said. His uh, his name on Reddit is Pendry two five eight, and he said he said my parents are, are you sure late- it's not Pendry? Maybe <laughs> is that a is that a thing? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's Pendry Pendry two five eight. As he in said, my pen is dry. As my pen is dry. Okay, got it. My pen is dry, and it's 2.58 p.m. Okay. My parents are late for everything, like everything. Both of my sisters and myself have been disappointed so many times. Graduation ceremonies, birthday parties, even my father's retirement dinner. It's completely my mother's fault. She is a wonderful mother, and I love her dearly, but she just does not understand the concept of punctuality. I've seen her talking to her sister on the phone and reminded her she needed to be at my baby sister's dance recital. She waved me off and arrived after my sister had danced. We were all used to it. My dad is just done trying to get her to be on time for anything. My now wife told me in no uncertain terms that if my mother was late for our wedding, she would do terrible things to me. She was only half joking. She was a witness to my mom and dad arriving halfway through my cousin's quinceanera. So here's what I did. It's completely on me. My wife was not involved. If there was a dick move, it was completely mine, which I think is sweet that he's like taking like, it wasn't my beautiful wife. This was me. Mm -hmm. So he says, when we were getting samples for the wedding, I talked to the printer. I had one special invitation printed with the time on it being one hour earlier than the actual start time of the ceremony. My mother was beside herself, apparently, when they left the house and thought they were going to miss the wedding since she was a part of it with her and my mother-in-law lighting the candles we would use to light the unity candle and stuff. When she arrived and noticed other people were just arriving, she was so relieved that we were starting late that she just went with it. The ceremony went off beautifully, and so did the wedding pictures and the reception. The problem came last Sunday. My parents came over for a big family dinner. We didn't bother starting up the grill until they showed up. She asked why everyone wasn't eating, and we just said we knew we would be waiting for them since they were always late. She said they were not always late. They had been on time for my wedding. She hadn't been. They had arrived 45 minutes after the time on their invitation. Oh, my God. My idiot cousin John, real name because it's common and he deserves people to know he is adult, snorted at her statement. A few other people giggled or smiled at this and she picked on and asked what was so funny. I came clean and told her about the special invitation. She is pissed at me for not trusting her and making her look foolish in front of everyone. If my cousin had controlled himself, she would have never known. Am I the asshole? No. Um, yeah, so – the the poster later added, part of the reason she's so mad is because she had her f- invitation framed. To be honest, I had already pla- I was already planning a heist with my sisters to replace it with a real one in case she ever noticed a discrepancy between hers and the one we have framed at our home. So you think, what do you think? First of all, I don't think he's the asshole. No. I think late people are assholes. 
I yeah. get it when people are late every once in a while, but there's nothing that does me more crazy because I'm always on time, if not early. And yeah. when people are are just always late, and yes. then that just becomes a part of their personality. Like it's me, I'll always be late. I'm late. I'm late. It's just you're saying that your time is more important than the other person's time. Yes, and it, I agree. It drives me crazy, and I I find it insulting. So I like I really can't get down with people that I've like lost friendships over people that were late all the time. Yeah, uh, but I'm talking like seriously, like and people I don't like when people say I'm I'm five minutes away and then they're forty five minutes away. Mm. It's like tell me the truth. You yeah, know yeah. give I mean? me give me like the get just. Yeah, just right. tell me the truth. I that's what I always think is like tell me from the beginning. And I'm not going to be making it at that time. Yeah. Or I can't come to your thing or I'm going to be this much late. Like just give me the real truth so that I yeah, so then I can then plan my own time. But right. I try to do that if I'm running late, like I need this much time. I need whatever, you know. And right. give enough a give enough of a you know, a buffer. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. Shit happens. Traffic sometimes is bad. People, you know, sometimes people, it's beyond their control and that's understandable, but it's how you handle it right. that matters. And also, if, but if it's, if you are the person that's notoriously late, yes, then that's a problem that you have. And so um, I don't think that he was while yeah like lying is never a good thing he was right if he knew that if if he would have told her a different time he they she would have been 45 minutes late to the wedding exactly like I, she can't be mad i mean the people yeah. of course everybody agrees like he's not the has the asshole they're like she was embarrassed because she has a problem showing up on time and you proved it everybody agreed that it was it was on the mom it's on the mom yeah and like also, she would have been 45 minutes late you can't be mad about that Personally, I think that her framed invitation that's very specific to her, I think it's even more special that that is the one that's framed. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't swap it out. I would – if I were the couple, I would just laugh the whole thing off until the mom can finally see the humor in it. Yeah. It'll happen like, eventually. We love you. Everybody loves you. You know you're late. Everybody knows you're late. Like she knows it. She's not like, right. you know – it's like, you know it. it. We have all accepted it about you, accepted it about yourself, and then we can all move on, right? Like we yeah. can all we've we've decided we love you enough to to put up with this. Right. Um, but I agree. I, I think it's an ingenious thing that they did. And yeah. it made their wedding day way more manageable. They didn't have to worry about this thing that they knew was gonna be an issue. And then they got to have a nice time. And now, you know, it's like she can deal with it. Yeah. People do that all the time. They tell somebody that you know, notoriously late people, you give them an earlier time just because you have to adjust for their mm-hmm. the fact that they're late all the time. So yeah, I don't see any harm in it personally. Nope. Me neither. Are you ready for my quickie? Yeah, man. Okay. Ready? Well, it dawned on me as I opened the door this morning and realized that it was brisk outside. It was fall, that it's uh-huh. October and I should be doing Halloween quickies. You should be. Ooh, spooky. Spooky quickies. So this quickie came from an article for um, KCRA.com. 
um, written by Jocelyn Brumbaugh. And it is a, about a couple named Dave and Aubrey Apple that live in a suburb of uh, Chicago in Plainfield. Do you know where that is? Oh, yeah. I know where that is. Oh, okay. They had put up a Halloween display that had piqued a lot of people's interests. And it it caused such a commotion that the um, that everybody kept driving by to come see this Halloween display because they, they're trying to figure out how this is real and how they did it. But did you watch Stranger Things, the new season? No. I mean, I watched the first season and then that was it. Sorry. I tried to start watching this season and it was just a little too horror movie-ish for me um, to watch it in the summer. But now I'm like ready to watch it now. So I'm going to dive back. I need it need it to be cold outside if I'm going to watch horror. Okay? <laughs> really? All right. I have my weighted blanket on. Yeah. I need to have like some fuzzy blankets. socks. I know. Some um, hot cocoa. Yeah. And it, it needs to be the vibe. So they're, they did a Stranger Things just like um, Halloween display outside of their house. And what they did is there is a scene in the movie where – or in the show apparently where Max, one of the characters, is levitating – and I guess Kate Bush is like running up the hill is playing in the background or something. And so they made a life-size Max replica and somehow have managed to levitate it. But like there, people cannot see, they did it so well that people cannot see like what is holding this thing up. And it looks like it's like legitimately levitating. Yeah. The display had been shut down by the neighborhood um, police department because people complained that they the were so freaked out so bad. No, not because they were freaked out or because they were scared, but it was causing such a disturbance because somebody posted a video of this on TikTok and it got over 14 million views. And then people just started coming out in droves to come oh, see really? this display. And the traffic just got to be so bad that... Um, and it just like upset the community to the point where they were um, forced to take it down. But as of this week, the police have now given the, them permission to reinstate the display this weekend because even though it it's causing like a big traffic jam and it's causing a big commotion, the display is on private property and they didn't violate any local ordinances. So there is no legally no reason that they should have to take it down. But they did just ask people you know, coming into the area to be mindful of where they park and be thoughtful towards other neighbors in the neighborhood when they come see the display. But the display should be back up and running if anybody lives in Chicago and wants to see it. But it's really cool. It's really cool looking. And there's a really cool TikTok video of it. It's it's insane. Like, I really don't know how they did this. But do you think that they should have to take it down? No. Why? I think it's great. I uh, Like, I, I love stuff like that. But I guess I could see for like, you know, the local curmudgeon on the street if they like can't get in and out of their house. Yes. That you know is, what I mean? That, that would, be, would be really annoying. That would be annoying. It's like when, you know, people live on a street where it's by an elementary school and everybody's lined up for pickup and drop off every day, but they're blocking people. Yeah. You know, their driveways. Like I know that is a huge deal and I would be super annoyed if I was one of those people. So I think as long as they – are like respectful of the neighbors and people can get in and out of their driveways and like leave it up. Like we need more whimsy and fun in our lives. Like how great is that? Go ahead. Yeah, just enjoy the Halloween spirit. Eat some candy. Relax. Yeah. Go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bed. 
watch some TV. Come on. Let people live their lives, you know? Yeah, it reminds me, I think like maybe one of the first times you were doing a Halloween um, quickie, you talked about some people who had like, it looked like there was fire coming out of their house. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they had the fire department called on them a bunch of times. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that quickie and I hope those people just go bigger and better next year and I can't wait to watch that video. And we'll post it for sure. Yeah, we'll post it. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. Are you ready for a wild story? I am. Okay. So I got this one uh, from an article in the Baltimore Sun by Bill Muller from the Deseret News, from the Orlando Sentinel, from the LA Times by Jeff Schaefer, and from an episode of Who the Bleep Did I Marry? Ooh. Yeah. That's a good So one. you know it's going to be good. Okay. So at 23 years old, Charmaine Whalen was ready to get married. She had a seven-year-old son, and she had just gotten out of a serious relationship with a police officer that she had hoped was going somewhere, but she had finally broken it off when she realized that he wasn't interested in something serious. And she was, you know, she wanted to get married. She'd always dreamed of a big wedding. She even had her colors picked out. She wanted fuchsia bridesmaids dresses. She would. She, she would. She would, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. They just always. Why do they always have to be fuchsia? I mean, this was the this was the nineties. Yeah, this was the early nineties. Nineties bridesmaids color. Yeah, so I'm imagining they also were like off the shoulder, like you know, like a big flounce at the shoulder and Mm -hmm. a lot of lace going on. But what she really wanted, you know, beyond the big wedding, was she wanted stability. She wanted love for herself and for her son. I mean, she was young. She had been a young mother. And so even though she was only 23, she was she was ready to settle down. And so in March 1994, she was out shopping at a mall near Anaheim, California, where she lived. She was shopping with a girlfriend and the two, you know, said goodbye. They went their separate ways to find their cars. And Charmaine got into the parking garage and she did what every one of us has done once in our lives, or in my case, like every time I park my car, she like walked out to the parking lot and she couldn't find her car. You know, she has like has shopping bags and she's like looking around all confused. And this man walks up and was like, are you lost? And she says the guy was handsome. He was tall. He seemed really kind. And so when he offered to help, she was like, okay. Um, So he walked around with her while she was looking for her car. He introduced himself as Vernon Pierce. And they started talking. He told Charmaine that he was an engineer, that he actually lived in Arizona and was just in California on business. And she said she was struck that he like actually listened to her as she told him like how she worked at a local department store, but she was also in school for business. He asked a lot of questions. And I just also think what a low bar for men, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh my God, you listened to me when I talked. Oh, that's my, yeah. If yeah. I right? listen to when I talk, that's like, marry me. And like follow-up <laughs> questions. Holy shit. My God. <laughs> I actually used to have a whole bit about that. The whole Oh, about Jason Bateman? Yeah. That yeah. I used to like have sex dreams about Jason Bateman just listening to me talk for a whole hour. <laughs> <laughs> to me. It's funny to me. Anyway. Like, yeah. So so they finally found her car and he asked for her number and she gave it to him. And he called her immediately. Another thing that, you know, is like low bar but is nice to happen. And they started talking every day over the next two weeks. 
Um, And she said they found things in common besides like, you know, their mutual attraction for each other. But I always love when this part of those kind of shows where she was like, he worked out. I like to work out. He was a good dresser. I love to shop. (laughs) Yeah. Those were the things she could name. He liked watching TV. I also like TV shows. I mean, it seemed like what could go wrong. So she liked that he seemed established, that he was hardworking. He was often like busy at work and asked her, hey, if you need me during the day, like page me and I'll, you know, leave a message at my home phone. I'll get back to you. Like I don't take calls at work. But after about two weeks of talking every day on the phone, Vernon invited Charmaine to come to Glendale for a weekend to visit. Um, And she was ecstatic. And she said when she got off the plane, he greeted her with red roses The whole weekend, he wined her, he dined her. And when she got home, she was feeling like she might have met the man of her dreams, like someone who wanted the same thing she wanted in terms of like a long-term commitment. So two months into their relationship, Vernon and Charmaine were on the phone and Vernon asked Charmaine to marry him. He was like, I know it's quick, but I love you. And when you know, you know. And Charmaine felt swept up and she was like, wait, but we don't even live in the same state. Like how would this even work? And Vernon said, you know, my transfer with work is coming up. I'm going to be moving back to California um, and we can be together in like a real way. And so Charmaine said yes. And she said she knew it was quick, but he was a man like offering her everything she ever wanted. And she loved him and she felt like she couldn't pass it up. But because like it would take a while, like his transfer wasn't going to come through for like another like six months, but they decided they wanted to get married right away. So they actually decided that they would get married at a courthouse in Arizona and have a small wedding and then plan a big California wedding for when he moved. So all of Charmaine's friends were like, hey, it's, you know, this is really quick. But Charmaine was adamant and they said they trusted that if Charmaine was in love with this man she knew what was best for her mm-hmm. so on a- April 27th this is two months after they met um, Charmaine flew to Arizona and the two got married at a courthouse Charmaine said the only thing that disappointed her about this whirlwind wedding was that Vernon didn't have her ring ready um, because he was having it custom made and he said don't worry, it's going to be ready in time for your big, our big wedding in California. And so she was like, you know, I, I was disappointed. I wanted to show off my ring when I got back to all my girlfriends. But like, of course, I understand. Like this was, we, I came down like a week after he asked me. So, so after the weekend, which was wonderful, she flew home to California and she started planning the wedding of her dreams. Vernon told her, sky's the limit. So she started making plans left and right. But, you know, she wanted Vernon's input on a few of, like, the big decisions um, because he was paying for it and um, it was their wedding. And so one day she was trying to figure something out and she needed an answer right away. So she called him at work. So she called the engineering firm where he told her he worked and the receptionist that answered said, oh, Vernon no longer works here. And Charmaine was confused. So she called Vernon at home. And when he finally answered, he seemed angry at her, which was like not something that she'd ever experienced. He was like, I told you don't ever call me at work. Like, that's my livelihood. And the woman that was answering the phone was wrong. I do still work there. I just transferred to a different division. It's a big company. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Right, Vernon. So, Likely story. Mm-hmm. So 
Charmaine said, you know, it didn't sit right, but also I was like in the middle of wedding planning mode. I just married him. This was my new husband. She said, I just accepted what he said and kind of just moved on. I didn't really have a second thought about it. So at the beginning of June, Vernon called her and was like, listen, I want us to be together. What if you move down here to Arizona with me so that I can finish out the rest of my contract? And Charmaine was thrilled. Like she wanted to be with her new husband. She didn't love her job. So she immediately quit her job, packed up her apartment. She was able to get out of her lease. So she moved within a few days. She moved into her grandma's apartment to get ready for the move to Arizona. And Vernon had said, like, you know, I know this is a all really quick. So I would love to meet your family before you move down here so that they're not going to worry about you when we moved when you moved to Arizona with me. Mm-hmm. And so he said, listen, I'm going to take some time off work. And he had scheduled a flight for June 17th to come up to California for a visit to meet her family. Charmaine offered to pick him up at the airport. And he was like, great, I'll call you when I get in. So the day of his flight, Charmaine waited by the phone for Vernon to call. But hours after he was supposed to get in, Charmaine still hadn't heard from him. And so she blows up his pager. And listen, young people, pagers yeah. are a thing that we used to wear on our belts. And they would blow up num- – they would put numbers on them and they would say, call me, 911, XXX. And then you would know you have six, to go six, to a payphone. Yep. You got to yeah. go to a payphone and then call that friend. And that's how we communicated in the old days. So she can't get a hold of it. She calls the home phone. He's not answering. He's not calling back. And she starts to really get worried that something has happened to him or his plane. So she calls the Glendale, Arizona Police Department and says, my husband is missing. And they were like, okay, um, listen, we will send a cruiser out to Vernon's home to check on him. So the Glendale police go out to Vernon's home. When they get there, they found a 21-year-old woman named Jamila Thompson knocking at the door. Uh-oh. So they asked Jamila what she's doing there, and she says, I'm looking for my husband, Vernon Pierce. Oh, Jesus. She tells them that they had just gotten married <gasps> and that she was supposed to move in with him that day but that Same she couldn't day. find him. What the yes. hell is wrong with this guy? Yes. Oh, my God. So police call Charmaine back around 1 a.m. and they break the news to her that she is not the only woman Holy who is moly. married to Vernon Pierce. Oh, my God. So Charmaine is in shock, but she is like – she's the kind of person who like when something happened, she leapt into action. Like she was not taking anything laying down. She caught the first flight out to Arizona the next day. She went to the Glendale Police Department and she says, I want to talk to this other woman. So she called Jamila and the two met at a local coffee shop and Jamila told her a very familiar story. She said that Vernon and she had met, had a whirlwind romance and had gotten married on May 11th, 12 days after Charmaine and Vernon got married. Oh my God. So Charmaine decided, she was like, all right, this is, I'm not taking this down. So she went straight to the Glendale Police Department and filed bigamy charges against her husband. So police told Charmaine that they could find no criminal history for Vernon, but that in these situations, there's always a threat that a person could get violent after being caught. So they encouraged her to go back to California while they investigated. So now she's heartbroken and jobless. 
she has to return to a grandmother's home because remember she had given up her lease. And she has kids, right? And she has a kid, yes. Oh, man. So she had given up her lease and her job because he was like, come move down with me, which apparently he had said to this other woman too, come move in with me. Um, but so she's back at her grandmother's house and that's when the calls start coming in. And the first call she gets is from the man himself, Vernon Pierce. And she said he was a completely different person on the phone that time. He was angry with her. He was saying, I don't know why you were down here looking for me. If you don't want to be with me, that's fine. We can break up. And Charmaine was like, look, we're not in high school. Like we are married. And she just really had one question for him. She was like, why did you do this? And Vernon told her, he said, it's all for a book I'm writing. And then he said, if I let you write a chapter of my book, will you drop the charges? What? And Charmaine was like, yeah, fuck off. And then she hung up on him. So then the, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. It's so crazy. So the next day, she gets a call from a woman named Ladranda. And Ladranda told Charmaine that she was also married to Vernon. Holy shit. Yeah. Ladranda and Vernon got married in 1989 and had the two had separated in 1991, but they remained married and had a four-year-old son together. Oh. Charmaine felt like things couldn't get worse, but she still wondered if there were more women out there. And she was right, because soon after, police called her again and told Charmaine that on June 5th, right after, like immediately after Vernon had called and asked her to quit her job and move to Arizona with him, Vernon had married a fourth woman, 27-year-old Mimi Reed, in Las Vegas, Nevada. So like, just to recap, Vernon was already married to this first woman. And then within a period of six weeks, he married three more women. Oh, it's my crazy. God. So it's crazy. Like, it's like something just snapped him. In, in and he was him. like, Mary, was, Mary, 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 Mary. Yeah. yeah. Please charge him with two counts of bigamy. They put out a warrant for his arrest they searched Vernon's home, and in his house, they found three marriage licenses and a three-by-five index card that said, who to marry. And Charmaine's name was on that list, along with a dozen other names. So to police, it looked oh like God. it was a plan, right? Yeah. So, But when police went to go arrest Vernon, he was nowhere to be found. And for six months, Vernon was on the run. And not surprisingly, of course, this story gets huge, right? It's all over the papers. Here's this guy married to all these women. Um, so finally- like, Was he just trying to be famous for ha being like married the most, like like the balloon boy? Yes. Like, I, think, that, I like think that's it. Okay. Because I, it's, it's like there really is no – there's no good explanation. On December 1994, so this is now he's been on the run for six months – um, he announced he was going to turn himself in. But first, he met with a reporter to do an interview and tell his side of the story. So that, you know, of very course, much yeah. sounds like a person who just wants to be in the news. So right. he didn't really give an explanation as to why he married four women. He said there's no easy answer to that. It's a very long explanation. And some things could be taken out of context. And then it would do more harm than good. He said, People say guys fantasize about something like this, and I guess I do, but don't do it in your own life. He did talk about like how he kind of tricked the wives. He said 
He told them that he had, you know, everyone, each one he told he had a job that forced him to travel. He told different women that he was a salesman or an engineer or a model, but it's all a lie. In the interview, he smiled when he told the reporter, I didn't have a job. I didn't have time. So for money, he just relied on gifts from friends and from his wives. And besides being married to all these women, he was dating other women. Which like explains the time. Who has it? Well, he didn't have anything else to do. We always dream was dating job. Yeah, yeah. So the dating other women, some of whom whose names were on that card. And I just have a feeling this guy's like not even attractive. Am I right? I mean, he's very nineties attractive. Like he's like tall. I think I gotta Google. Okay, gotta Google Vernon Pierce. Pierce. Vernon Pierce. Like, I can see why women found him attractive. I, you know, he's just, he's very tall. He has like the 90s kind of glasses. Um, but he said, He's um, 90s glasses. He's 90s glasses. He said, I've been contemplating other marriages, but those names on the card weren't the only women I was seeing. So even in this interview, he's kind of like bragging, which is uh-huh. so crazy because it's like, what, what? brag about this. He said to keep track of all the stories of the women that he took notes that he had a little black notebook that he carried in his wallet because so he could keep his stories straight. He said, obviously, there was a lot of lying going on. I did the best I could, but I still made mistakes. So he said other men shouldn't envy his escapades. He said, I've wasted five years on my life with this. This is not the kind of life. This kind of life is not what it may seem to be, which I also think that like nobody is Nobody is uh nobody's considering it. Yeah, nobody's considering it. Nobody else is like envious of your life. Like you it seems just he just has some mental issues. Maybe I just think he wanted to be famous. But so he said, um, when asked why he hadn't turned himself in earlier, he said he panicked when he came home. Police had searched his townhouse. He said the place was a mess. And he said, I have this vision of me being treated like my house, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out of my mind. And it turns out that Vernon was actually married and divorced once before all of these four wives and also has a- another son with another woman. So he has two kids, have been married a total of five times, four at the same time. Wow. So the other wives declined to press charges, but Charmaine was steadfast. She said, um, even though Vernon wouldn't say why he did it, Charmaine says she knows why. She said he just wanted to be on TV. He just wanted to be famous. In 1995, Vernon Pierce went to court and pled guilty and was sentenced to five months in jail and community service. He was released after 30 days. And although Charmaine thought it was too light of a sentence, the one good thing that did come out of it was that the judge ordered that any money made off of this story by Vernon would all have to be paid to Charmaine. Oh. Yeah, which is like great. That. So to, to this day, Vernon has never made any money off of the story. Okay. Um, and after he served his time, he actually moved back in with wife number four, Mimi, because he said she was the only one who stood by him. And at the time, Charmaine said to the LA Times, she's standing by her man. Well, she can have her man. So – um, in 1996, Vernon had a press conference, and he announced that he had tested positive for the AIDS virus. No. Yeah. Oh, he no. said – I mean, who knows if it's true? It's all like, does he just want publicity? He said that he had sex with about 20 women, including his wives, and that during the 10 years since he was last tested. And he said, 
I feel really terrible. I hope nobody else is infected. But he didn't provide any like documentation of the test results. Um, he said his health was declining, but he didn't know if he had any symptoms. Um, he said his fourth wife, Mimi, who he was still living with, um, had tested negative, but he hadn't contacted. He wasn't allowed to contact any of the other wives. Um, so it's kind of unclear whether any of that is actually true. Charmaine never tested positive. But all these years later, after the ordeal, Charmaine says that although she has been guarded in relationships since Vernon, that she still believes in true love. Well, good for her for still believing in true love. Yeah, I know. Like, I hope she, fi- I really hope she finds it. She deserves to be happy. You know, she deserves I, to be happy. Like, just and, some, this yeah. guy who just came along and like bombarded her Ugh. and basically like, talked her into all this stuff because she was vulnerable because she wanted a relationship, which is not like, that's not a like a character flaw to want to be in love. You know what I mean? Like that's just like a natural need, yeah. and he, a human need. And so somebody that will come along and take advantage of it for like, what reason? I can't, it's so convoluted. This is so funny, but this happened to me just yesterday. I picked, um, I called an Uber to take me somewhere. And the guy that picked me up, like just offered this information to me. Like I got in the car and I just said, how's your day going to the Uber driver? And then he just says, "Um, good, this isn't normally what I do. I'm a relationship coach. And I said, oh, you're a relationship coach. That's interesting. And then I was like, I was like, in what capacity? And he goes, I, I teach women what they're doing wrong um, in dating. And so, of course, I was like, Oh, Uh I gotta hear this. (laughs) Do tell. What are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, and and so I, um, so I listened to him talk for the whole car. You know, for the most part, uh, I didn't agree with a lot of things that he was saying. But Wait, he, what? You're telling me that you didn't agree I, with something I, that a man, a man no, telling no. women, I just sat what there, they're like, doing wrong, smiling in the back seat, like, uh huh, okay, uh-huh. all right. Like, I can't wait to tell this story. I know. <laughs> and then, um, but one thing that he did say that I thought was interesting is he said that um, when women like get ex, when a man comes to like in the beginning of dating, tells a woman like all these things, like oh, you're amazing. You're the one for me. Like, I want to be with you. I, um, like I did it like all the stuff and they pump her up. And then, and then the woman, which essentially is, I guess called love bombing. And then, um, and then that person retreats or disappears or starts acting weird as soon as the woman like reciprocates or whatever, which is like Taylor's oldest time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it always happens. He said that the reason that men do that is because, and again, this guy could totally be full of shit. I'm just saying this is what he said that I thought was interesting. He said that sometimes when a man is around a woman that he believes that the woman is like, um, maybe like, like they just don't know what to say to her. Like they, like she is like, um, they just want to win her. Like they just want to get her. They want to win her. They're like, uh, they think that maybe she's like not interested in them or why would she be interested in them or whatever. So what they do is they immediately retreat to saying all of the things that they know that no woman can resist is, is someone telling them you're, you're the one you're so perfect. Why are you so yeah. like, da, da, da. and so it's, it's just like a fallback of like, I don't have anything to say in this moment. I'm afraid that you don't like me. So I'm going to say all of these things just because I want to in this moment win you, but I yeah. don't actually want you. 
You know what so I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's like a reflexive, like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So women be on the lookout for that. But like, but yeah, it just sounds like this poor woman, she's just trying to like, she's just trying to live her life. And yeah. this guy just waltzes in and says all this dumb shit to her and uproots her entire life. It's. Uh, yes. Imagining. And like, it's, you know, it just yeah. what, what mm-hmm. is the point? Of being married to all those people, like what? Why? Like what? What could have been the end of that? Yeah, I, I just, I think that there is something wrong with this man, or mm-hmm. he's just like a narcissist on a completely different level. Yeah, like on a psycho level. Yes. Yeah, so. I agree. Anyway, wow. so there you go. There's my crazy story. That's pretty crazy. Who the bleep does it again? <laughs> Who the bleep? <laughs> Um, well, Sally, are you ready then for a nice love story to bring us on home to happy Yes, time? please. Great. Yes, please. This is a good one. Um, this is um, an article for um, – this is – the story comes from an article for CNN.com for travel uh, chance encounters, which are oh, my I've, favorite. I've heard um, of it. But written by Francesca Street. Oh, um, Francesca. Now, the last names of these people um, have been held for their privacy, so they just use their first names in the story. Andy was in Paris. She was traveling. She was only going to be there for three days, so she was only three days in Paris. At the time, she was 25 years old. She was born in Haiti, but she was raised in the United States. This was in September of 2016, and she was 25 years old at the time and finishing up a master's degree in Amsterdam. She was just doing a quick, like, three-day stop in Paris. Her plan was to travel for a month and then go back to Amsterdam to finish up school. She had been everywhere from, like, Italy, Greece, Egypt, India, and then she stopped by Paris to visit her close friend, uh, Sena. Her friend Sena lived in Paris and had been holding on to some of uh, Andy's things for her at her at her place so that, yeah, you know, because she was bouncing all around Europe. So Andy told Santa and Travel, I got on the metro to head back to my friend's house where I dropped off my suitcases, and that's where he got on. Um, so he was a guy named Steven. He was 26 years old, and he was a master's student. Um, he was originally from Central African Republic, but he was studying in Paris and working part-time in a school. Yeah. Um, so Steven got on the train. At the time, the cart was just full of people, and he was one of the people that was standing. And Andy was sitting, and she had her um, backpack on her knee, and she had her headphones on. So normally – you know, when a girl's on the subway and has her headphones on, that's the international symbol for don't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) But she, uh, but she saw Steven and she said that they noticed each other right away. And Steven said that he found her to be um, completely beautiful. And so once a few stops went by and the train cart kind of emptied out, he was able to find a seat that was right across from Andy. Um, So you know, she would look at him and he would look at her. They like, yeah. you know, their eyes would meet. She said that they would do that. They did that for about 15 minutes. They just would like catch each other's eyes and then look away. And Stephen was trying to figure out like a polite way to say something to her because, you know, she's a girl that has her headphones on, which, you know, he wanted to respect her space and her privacy. So he was trying to figure out a way to say something to her. And Andy said that she remembers looking at him and thinking that he just had like 
um, just sitting across from him could feel that he had just a calming energy. And she said that she noticed that he had these big, nice muscular arms. And she thought to herself, wow, he looks like somebody I could get a really nice hug from. Oh, <laughs> which is cute. I know. And so while he was sitting there trying to figure out what he could say to her, she was sitting there thinking to herself, what if he's my husband, but I'll never know because I'm going to get off this train without ever speaking to him. But then at one point she said that she, she had her headphones on and she saw his lips moving. So she took her headphones out and um, in French, he started speaking to her and he said that he, um, he suggested, why don't you move your backpack onto the empty seat? Like it's a, you know, cause it looked very heavy. And um, she replied that it wasn't necessary, but she said then um, she told CNN, then somehow I just not, did not put my headphones back because I kind of was hoping that we would keep talking. And then the conversation continued. He asked her if she was a student because of the backpack and she said yes. And then he told her that he was also a student working on his master's degree uh, degree. And then um, at some point she had to get off the train to transfer. And then he asked her if he could come with her, if he could also transfer. And, he, and she said, do, you can do as you please. And so he followed her, he got off with her and Stephen offered to help her carry her backpack. And so of course, like she felt a little bit nervous because she was like, you're a stranger. Are you going to steal my backpack? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but she said that her gut told her that she felt comfortable for him to take it. So um, he didn't run away with her backpack. They waited together for the next subway, uh, for the next subway at the next station. And then they got on the next train together. And Andy said that they just kept talking. And that's when they realized that they were actually both doing their masters in the same field of studies. They were both studying uh, sustainable development. And so then they had that to talk about. When Andy stopped, arrived, Stephen got off with her and gave her her backpack. They exchanged numbers. And then Stephen asked if he could give her a hug goodbye. And she said, yes. And um, she told CNN, I thought that was so weird because in France, people just do kisses on the cheek. They don't hug. And I was like, wow, what if this guy is a mind reader? Because earlier I was just thinking I could get a really nice hug from him. Yeah. So yeah. So they ended up going um, their separate ways. And um, Stephen actually ended up being late for work because he wasn't paying attention when he like got off on a different stop with a woman when he was headed to work. But later that evening, um, he ended up messaging her and, and Andy had gone to her friends, uh, Sina's, and told her all about this like chance meeting that she had with the stranger on on the train and so Stephen messaged Andy and then he like nervously waited for her reply and Stephen said when she responded I screamed and I ran to my cousin and, and he said ah. that he announced to his cousin that Andy would be the woman that he would marry and so oh, I love when that happens I know it's so cute so they ended up like messaging back and forth all weekend and then they um, tried to figure out if they could meet up again before Andy had to go back to Amsterdam because their schedule was really tight. At first, they were just going to try to meet up um, weeks in a few weeks after her graduation um, because she had planned to come back to Paris for a week before she went back to the U.S. And and Stephen wrote, even if we could just see each other for just one quick second, I really want to see you before you leave. And so they had a quick dinner on her last evening in Paris. Even though it was like their first date, they had just met each other. Stephen was like very straightforward with Andy. This is, we were just talking about this. Like he, yeah. he told her like right away that he was looking for a relationship. And Andy said at 
I thought at first, like, whoa, first date, you're doing too much for me. But I kind of appreciated his sincerity. Um, she said, we kept talking and um, I got, again, that kind of like calm feeling being around him. So even though she had just wanted it to be a quick dinner because she had to travel the next day, they ended up going to a bar afterwards. And then yeah. later he walked her back to her friend's apartment and then outside of the doors when he kissed her. She was very excited about the date. She went home and told her friend all about it. And he was all excited. And the next day, um, she left to go to Amsterdam, but they kept in touch. She, um, she said that he was messaging her the whole time that she was in Amsterdam. So after, after she graduated, she came back to Paris just for a quick trip before the U.S. And they tried to spend as much time together as they possibly could in those few days. And then when she was there, um, Stephen told her that he didn't want her to go back to the U.S. And he, she said, why? And he said, because I love you. And she said, how can you love me? You don't even know me. Um, but so then she got on a plane and um, went back to the United States. And But at that point, she had no plans to return to Europe. They didn't know when they were going to see each other again. So they didn't make plans to hang, um, meet up, but they just kind of held on to hope that they would see each other again at some point. And they decided to stay in touch and they just kept writing to each other and talking. So three months later, when Andy was working with an international organization based in DC, she learned that her new job role would be to travel to mostly to Guinea. And um, coincidentally, the layover flights were always stopping in Paris to go to Guinea. Uh, so she would uh, have to go there from time to time. So in yeah. um, March of 2017, six months after they met and thought they'd never see her again, she found herself again at the Charles de Gaulle airport for a 24-hour layover. So that just kind of became their routine. Yeah. She would, like whenever she'd have to go to Guinea, he would come, meet her at the airport. They would spend 24 hours together, at, like, and they would do this for every three months or so. And then, so Stephen started to feel guilty because she was the one that was always traveling and he couldn't, he didn't have a visa to go to the United States. So he started to feel guilty that he couldn't like reciprocate. And he said that um, it was getting complicated because it was always Andy who would have to travel. And I thought it I thought it would be even more complicated later on in the process. So right. things started this, – this is just like that guy said. <laughs> things started to get weird. He started to pull back. He, got, he became less attentive. He got really, really distant. And, but Andy was just like, you know, just straightforward and said, look, if you're not into this, then let's end it. Like, I'm not going to chase you. I love you, but I don't do one-sided relationships. Yeah. And so, and, yeah, yeah, Andy. So she said, um, you know, I would like for this to be reciprocal. And since it's not, I'm just going to remove myself out of the equation. So a few months went by and they didn't speak at all. Yeah. But they thought a lot about each other. And, and Andy had actually had an upcoming trip to Paris planned to visit her friend. And Andy said, I'm usually the kind of person like um, once it's over, it's over. But with him, I felt like there was more, this was more of a break than a break up. And then, so she had her friend reach out to him just to see if he was okay since she hadn't heard anything from him. Yeah. Um, she had her tell him that she's coming to France for a week for vacation. And then that's when Stephen reached out to Andy and they decided to meet up during Andy's trip. And when they met up, like they talked a lot, they went out dancing and they said that they got kind of 
back to how things were before. She was only there for four to five days, but they spent most of their time together. And Stephen said that after seeing Andy, after the months of silence, he said that it, uh, quote unquote, reignited a fire inside of him. And he said, at that moment, I thought to myself, if I don't make things work, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So they started talking openly and candidly about the situation. Like he, he explained to her that he didn't, the reason he pulled back was because he felt guilty that she was traveling. She said she didn't mind it. See how communication works. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? That's so amazing. They, it was like, oh, okay, that was the problem. Fix it. So anyway, so um, so they they part when they left each other, it was on stronger terms than they were before, but she was still like not a hundred percent sold. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she was like, she said that it took um, a while for her to warm back up to him. So she said that they did have another wobble uh, when um, she was back in DC. Um, you know, he started to retreat again and, but Andy was firm and she told him that like they both had to be all in. She said, I was like, look, I don't have time to play games. If this is what you want to do, it's not for me. I was very strict on my boundaries. I told him, look, if you are serious about this, here's my mom's number. You let her know how serious you are about her daughter. <laughs> Isn't that a fucking baller move? I yeah. wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, but no, I'm, I'm but like, that's, that's pretty, Yeah. Like, good for her. So yeah. within a week, he had sent a long paragraph to her mother telling her, like, introducing himself, saying, like, telling her about himself and that how, how much he cared for Andy and how much, you know, what his plans were, where he envisioned them living in the future and their plans for marriage. Um, and so the next time um, that they reunited in France was in November of 2017. And so it was during this trip that when she was there that he proposed. Stephen said, when I met Andy, I felt at peace in sync with all of nature's elements, he said. But when I wanted to propose to her, I felt a wave of different feelings. I was asking myself, what would I do if she said no? At the same time, I was excited at the idea that she would accept to be my wife. I was nervous and shaking internally. So Andy ended up accepting his proposal. And she said, I got that same calm feeling that I had the first day that I met him. They ended up keeping the news to themselves for a little while. They kind of kept it secret. They only just told like her friend and Stephen's best friend. Um, and they decided to like enjoy the engagement and not rush into marriage um, because yeah. they were still in a long distance relationship. The following summer, she ended up staying in France for four months, which was the longest that they had ever been together. Yeah. She had quit her job and she was in the middle of like a, a break between jobs. She spent those four months just with him. She said it was a really wonderful summer. But she, they, they had originally planned for her to stay in France, but after applying for jobs, uh, it was harder than she thought. They started discussing the possibility of living together in the U.S. And so about a year later, in July of 2019, Stephen was approved for a visa. And so... Um, to celebrate that he was approved for a visa, they ended up going to Haiti where she was born. And then that's when they decided that they wanted to have uh, their own Haiti based wedding celebration. So, but then they moved together into a tiny studio apartment in DC. And then they ended up having a small wedding at the court office uh, on September 16th, 2019, the three year anniversary of when they met on that Metro 
And, um, and then they decided that they would have the big party in Haiti a, a year later. Yeah. Um, so they ended up starting their own company together called Afraidi, which is creating handmade apparel using African fabric. But then after COVID-19 hit, Stephen sadly lost his job. And early on, Andy caught the virus and was hospitalized. Oh no. And so she recovered physically, she recovered, but she said that she struggled with the anxiety afterwards. Yeah. Uh, which a lot of people did and a lot of people still do. She said, I became really anxious to the point where I didn't leave my place for three months. She said she wouldn't even step outside of her apartment. And oh. so she said that during this time, though, Stephen was a huge support. She said, if it wasn't for him, she wouldn't have survived the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and Stephen said there's no one but Andy that he would have wanted to spend the lockdown with. Um, so they ended up having to cancel their um, Haitian wedding, but they spent all their time like cooking, sewing and designing together. And then as the pandemic waned, Stephen encouraged Andy to get back into the real world. And um, she was really grateful for his patience during this time. She said that she was just so scared to go outside and he uh she said he kind of pushed me into taking really small steps. So then in the summer of 2021, they actually ended up relocating to Florida because they wanted more space and warm weather and to be near the beach. And yeah. Andy says that they feel at peace in Florida. So cool. as of today, they are still Florida based and they're planning future adventures together since you know, the world opened back up. They've been to Tanzania, Zanzibar, and Costa Rica together. And they did cancel their wedding celebration, but they decided to start a new tradition where they would plan a vacation to coincide with their anniversary. So right now they're in Mexico celebrating six years since they met each other on the Metro and three years since they got married in the courthouse. Um, and Andy said, this is really cute. She said, one of the things that is symbolic and I don't think he notices is when we're traveling, he likes to ask me if he can carry my backpack. So Aww. she likes to think that he's been carrying her backpack since day one. Isn't that That's cute? That's really cute. I know. And so they think that, you know, when they think back to this faded event of them meeting on the Metro that day, um, they just like still can't believe it happened. Andy said, there are days where I say to him, God, I'm married to a stranger I met on the train in Paris. <laughs> and he says, what if I was late to the train? What could have happened? It's destiny that brought us together. Um, so they like to think that their story definitely resembles a romantic comedy, which it does. Um, yeah, totally. Like the yeah. sliding door phones. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so Andy said, honestly, I feel like I'm living a rom-com with him. Especially as a Black woman, you don't often see international love stories with Black women or Black men in them. And I think for me, just sometimes when I think about it, I'm like, wow, I'm living in my own rom-com and I don't need to see it on TV. This is it. Oh. So, isn't that a great I story? I love that. That's a really good story. I, it made me think of, it's like very different stranger on a train experience. But when I was <laughs> when I was living in Hungary, I decided to go to Slovenia by myself and I was waiting at the train station in um, Budapest waiting for the train to Slovenia and um, this guy comes up to me and he's like, "Oh, are you American?" And I was like, "Oh, how'd you know?" And he was like, "You guys always have those big backpacks, you know." And I was like, "Yeah, haha." And he like kind of like he's like 
oh, so where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to Slovenia. He was like, oh, I'm from Slovenia. He was like this, you know, um, telling me, oh, you should go see this, whatever. It was really nice, right? So I, I kind of don't think anything about it. I get on the train and then he comes and gets in the same train compartment. So like, it's just the two of us in this enclosed compartment, uh-huh. right? And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I can be friendly. Like, I can talk to this person. It's not what I wanted to do for the next six hours, but okay. Um, so he's like, you know, talking, talking, talking. And then at one point, I look over and he has on no pants. He has on boxer oh shorts, but he has God. taken his pants off. And I was uh-huh. like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just, I get. I get cold, so or uh, <gasps> no, he was like, I'm hot, so I'm gonna put on my shorts. And I was like, okay. Oh my god. Um, you know, I don't know you, but he was like, Oh, Americans are so prudish, whatever. And then he starts asking me about he's like, Oh, so you are married, uh, but do you do you are you still married when you're like so far away when you traveled? Are you still married? Are you and I was like, Yes, yeah, still still married all the time. And then he starts asking me all these like really personal, like sexual questions oh my and God. I just kept and I kept being like that's that's like a lot it's like just like too much and he was like oh Americans no that is not too much what would be too much if I asked you if you if you let your husband put your finger in his butt and then, what? And then you licked it and like I mean just all of this stuff that I'm like um okay however and then I so I put headphones in and I look away and I look back and he has his pants off again oh my god and he goes and he goes he goes, oh, what? My knees get cold. And then he's like, I got to put my pants back on. And I was like, okay. And then finally, and of course, like at any one point of this, I should have gotten up and walked out. Oh but God. I just was not at that point. I was just like, he's going to follow me. I'm stuck on this train with him. Like kind of that, like we were yeah, talking about last week where it's panic. that, where yeah. you just have to like play nice because you're like, I don't know what this person, who they are, what they might do. And I'm stuck on a train with them. Even if I move oh, to a different God. compartment. So then he, I'm like, finally, I was just like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to like read my book and um, I'm just going to like, you know, read my book. And uh, and he was like, okay, I guess, uh, you know, you're crazy Americans. You're so. With your clothes so cr- on. With your clothes on and your marriages that, you know, whatever. And, um, oh and then, and then he starts playing his headphones, but he's like, doesn't have them in his ears. He's like playing his, you know, at that time it was like a disc man or something i don't know or like an mp3 player but he's playing it loud and he's playing in excess like devil inside you know like oh yeah yeah so and and he's playing it so loud and i'm just like this is fuck you you're just like now you're like bombarding me with your music what is and what what triggered me was that when i was in high school i had had that tape stuck in my car Oh and my it, god! It, so on you a loop, always had to listen to that. Song. Yes. So, it, like, first it would be the one side, both side played, and then one side played, and then just that song played over and over for months until oh. finally Doctor Doom fucking I like, like, got it out with like knives and totally wrecked my tape deck. And you know, I oh, mean, it was you just, just we were, lost your mind. We lost like, our minds. Oh, we like went office space on it. You know, we like totally destroyed the tape. But like him playing that song, I was like, you will not do that to me <laughs> and i finally got up and left and was like i'm i'm leaving please don't follow me and like and he didn't luckily i just like found a like different apart- a compartment with the just a what one woman in there and i was like i'm sorry this guy is being really weird and she was like oh your english is very good 
Oh my so god. So she she thought I was Hungarian, but my English was really good. It was very funny. But anyway, I mean, so that I've made been me think saying of, that for years about you, Sally. Your English. Thank you is so impeccable. much. I feel very <laughs> proud of it. Um wow. so you oh know. Yeah. So it can go both ways. It could. It really could. Careful yeah. when you talk to strangers on trains. It yeah. could, you could meet the love of your life or a total fucking perp. I would say always start with your headphones in and be ready to put them back in. Right, right. And be ready to leave the first time he takes his pants off. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, <sighs> what? My knees get cold. <laughs> anyway. Should we All do right, well, something dumb, something we love? Yes, let's do it. You do it first. Okay. All right, my something dumb is – that I don't know if you can tell from my sexy voice and all the times I've been coughing. I may specify how many of those I can cut out. But uh, I'm sick, man. I'm sick. I'm not COVID sick, just like good old-fashioned. I got a head cold sick. I've got it. Max has got it. And Aww. it was like instantly I got back from Key West and my body was like, you're done. You're done traveling for a little bit. So we're just going to take this some time off and uh, you can stay in bed. Um, so yeah, so that just, you know, it just sucks being sick. I forgot. I haven't been, I haven't had a cold in like two years. Um, but the thing that I love is, and this is maybe the last time I'll talk about it, but my album comes out. If you're listening yeah. to this on Tuesday, it's coming out tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, I would love it if you would pre-order it, um, either on whatever you listen to, but like on Apple podcasts or up, op- I'm sorry, Apple music or Amazon music. Um, those are the two ones that kind of have like charts. Um, so if you would do that, that helps. Um, you can go to it's orcd.co backslash streetbird. And that is like, we'll have that in the show notes. It's on my website. It's on all of this, my socials. So, um, if you want to buy it, please pre-order it. That'd be great. I'm i uh, I'm real excited about it. Um, and that's, I'm going to stop talking about it. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. You guys make sure you pre-order it. Um, it's very exciting. You're going to love it. I was there. It was an amazing night and, um, it's, I'm very proud of it for her. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it helped because Jen, Jen went on before me. She crushed it. And I was like, oh, these people are fun. Like she got them to the right place to be like, we're going to have a good time. I don't know about that, but it's true. We it's true. The crowd we was amazing. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess for my something dumb and something I love, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to do something I love and then something that's dumb. Never done that okay. before, but we're going to do it. Um, you but, make the rules, Jen. Yeah. You make the rules. I just want to say something I love this week is that it is Pride Weekend in Atlanta, which is very exciting. And I just wanted to say happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. Um, so there's – festivities all weekend long um the one so what i wanted to say that is dumb is that because of pride and all the festivities in atlanta i didn't realize that ubers and lifts the surge pricing would be out of control oh yeah last night i was out and at about like 11 o'clock i went to call an uber to come home and it was going to cost 75 dollars to go like for basically what is like an 11 minute drive. Yeah. So, and so I was like, oh, like I'll just take Marta. And so then like we walked all the way down to Marta and then like, and then that took like 20 minutes. And then the person I was with, we like 
parted and then I went on my own way. And then I, um, and then I ended up like closer to the Marta near me. And then I was like, I'll take an Uber from there to my house. And then I looked at the thing and it was like $85 to go even closer to my house. And, was, and then it was like a 40 minute wait for the car. So I walked all the way. It took me like yeah. two and a half hours I was going to say, there's not really a station near you. Yeah, for like an yeah. 11 minute drive, probably like three miles from you. It took It was like two a Lord of the Rings journey to get oh home. Oh my God. In the cold, at dark at night. And it was just like, I'm very tired today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was fine. I got home safely. Nothing happened to me. But it was just like, come on, Uber. You're being yeah. a real dick. You're being a real fucking dick. Like if I would have known that, I would have just like driven and not drove. I driven and not drinking anything. You know what I yeah. mean? It was yes. just like I felt like I was tricked. You were like, like trying to be there. responsible. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh, well, just Uber. It'll be fine. Yeah. Ugh. You should have called know. me. I would have come and picked you up. Except I was like asleep by nine, so um, I would have been real sad. But I would have done it. Oh yeah. Yeah, I done it, Jen. Thanks, man. Um, Would you have liked that if I called you in the middle of the name? Like, can you drive? Me? It's a ten-minute drive. It's a ten-minute drive. Just, I just get me and just bloop, bloop me back home. Can you just bloop me back home, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bloop you back home. Um, so, speaking of pride, like I part of why I'm so bummed about being sick is that. I was gonna the, our dance class that we've our hip hop twerking in the church <laughs> class that we've been taking. Mm-hmm. They like march in the pride parade and do dance, do the dances in the pride parade, and I was so excited to do that. We were gonna dance with dance with the evolve people, yeah, hip hop twerk at, at pride, and then yeah. I can't do it because I'm too sick. Plans changed, plans <sighs> changed, and then my kids just made other plans, so. Yeah, your we're kids not, were like, "Yeah, I'm like, wait, you don't want to watch me dance in a parade? You don't want to come with your mom and watch her twerk? That's weird." They were so. like, "No, <laughs> gross, mom." Gross. I know. Um, all right. Well, hey, you guys, please um, get in touch with us. You can find us on all the socials. We're at Dumb Love Podcast. Um, you can rate and review. You can tell a friend. Please buy my album. Um, and also get tickets to Red Clay Comedy Festival because it is coming up and those tickets are going sure like hotcakes. Sure is. Yes. Come to the Red Clay Comedy Festival. Download Sally's album. We dumb love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We love you so, so much. And don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum da dum 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 da 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 dum.